Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The moonless night hung heavily over us as we descended from the sky, our parachutes guiding us towards the heart of enemy territory. The mission was clear, disrupt the enemy's sinister plan to unleash a devastating cyber attack upon our own nation. Our team of Green Berets, a brotherhood bound by purpose and unyielding determination, braced ourselves for the treacherous journey that awaited us. Our boots hit the ground with a muffled thud, and the tension in the air was palpable. We were deep in unknown territory, surrounded by the unknown. We had to adapt to survive and to succeed. The hostile landscape seemed to echo our defiance. A seemingly impenetrable forest that concealed secrets as ancient as time itself. As we pressed forward our senses on high alert, a primal unease settled over us. It was during one of these tense moments that I saw it, a dark figure, large and ominous, walking upright towards me. I instinctively turned and sought refuge behind a nearby tree, my heart hammering in my chest. When I dared to glance back, the creature was disturbingly close, its presence a shadowy enigma against the night. It stood shorter than I, a looming mass of darkness with an eerie lack of visible neck. My breath caught as I realized I couldn't discern its eyes, couldn't fathom the intentions lurking within its mysterious form. It paused beside the very tree I was using for cover, a chilling realization settling over me. The creature was not only aware of our presence, but it also zeroed in on me. My heart raced as it raised its head, an uncanny movement that brought its nose to the air sniffing as if sensing something beyond the reach of human comprehension. I was frozen in fear, my limbs refusing to obey my desperate commands to move. The moment hung in suspended terror, a breathless encounter with a being that defied all rational explanation. It was a creature of nightmares. Born from the depths of the woods, it harbored untold mysteries. 
The spell was shattered as the creature lunged, its attack swift and aggressive. The air filled with a thunderous roar of gunfire as my team reacted with the precision honed through countless hours of training. Bullets ripped through the darkness, striking the creature and forcing it to retreat into the shadows from whence it emerged. With the immediate threat subdued, we regrouped and pressed on with our mission. Yet that encounter lingered in our minds, a puzzle piece and a larger enigma we were trying to solve. As we navigated the hostile territory and filtrated the enemy's high-security facility and fought to disrupt their nefarious cyber-attack plans, we couldn't shake the memory of that cryptic creature. We completed the mission, victorious in our efforts to protect our country. But even as we celebrated, the question remained. What had we encountered in the depths of that remote forest? What ancient secret had brushed against the edge of our reality that night? As we returned home, our mission accomplished, but our minds still haunted by the unknown, we understood that even in the midst of our most strategic victories, there are forces beyond our comprehension that lurk just beyond the veil of understanding. And though we would never have all the answers, we were resolute in our duty to face the darkness and protect our world from whatever mysteries it might hold. About eight years ago, I was on a backpacking trip in the western Sierras in central California, above Huntington Lake, with a group of five guys from the Bowhunters League I was running at the archery shop I worked at. We had packed in the first day about nine miles to our first camp and had no issues. We had archery gear and had tags for deer and bears. When we woke up the next morning, we hiked to a small high country lake to refill the water and head up above treeline to glass for deer. We were about a half mile from the lake, and we heard what sounded like a limb snapping off a tree. We all joked about Bigfoot and carried on. The lake was in a big bowl surrounded by thick timber. As we were filling up our camelbacks and now jeans, all four of us heard the same sound we heard on our way to the lake. It was five consecutive tree knocks from five different locations around the bowl. We finished filling up our water and got the hell out of there. We stayed another night without incident and headed home when one of the guys had a sleeping bag. Break and nighttime, temps in the high thirties. On our way to the trailhead, the first day we stopped in Shaver Lake, and the area has had sightings in the past. Once you spend enough time out away from civilization, you see and hear things that are not simply explained. I've had a few other experiences with strange lights and apparitions on separate occasions. I believe in most of it, but I don't let it take up too much real estate in my head. It's 1982, and I just ended my time in the Army. After getting home, I found nothing had changed. That and my experiences in the service left me in a poor mental state. I loved the outdoors of camping from an early age, so I foolishly decided that camping in the Florida Everglades would give me the peace of mind I desperately needed. After three days, I had enough. I packed up my gear and headed out only to realize that I had somehow gotten myself lost. There were about seven hours of daylight left, so I climbed the tallest tree I saw to get my bearings. The tree was pretty thin, and just as I saw the way I needed to go, I slipped down and fell above sixteen feet. My knee and ankle were sprained very badly, and the pain was nearly unbearable. I limped as far as possible in the direction I needed to go, but soon I couldn't stand the pain anymore. Finding the path leading out, I sat and started scooting backward as best I could. It was hard going as the path was made of crushed shells and gravel. An hour later and I saw a large cat come out of the bush. It slowly started towards me much like a house cat does when he sees a bird. Feeling very vulnerable and unarmed, I knew I was in deep shack. Each time I scooted backward it would lunge and sort of flop its front paws. Craziest thing I ever saw. It was about ten yards from me when from my right came a rock about the size of a softball flying horizontally like a missile. It struck the side of the cat's head so hard that aside from literally exploding, it folded around backward and slept its body. 
I heard the crunch and saw the blood mist on impact. I swear, every single word is absolute truth. I looked to the right and saw him standing there just inside the tree line. Massive dark hair covered except his face. It was dark but easily human. Like we made eye contact and I felt very calm. To this day, I can't be sure if I heard or just felt safe, but I heard that word inside my head. I looked back at the cat. I thought it made a gurgling sound. I still don't know, but when I turned my back, my savior was gone. I was replaying everything in my mind when I heard a crack at five o'clock. As I turned toward the sound, a long, thin stick came flying out of the trees, landing a few feet behind me. I never saw or heard him after the first moment, but I was positive he threw me a crutch to help me get on my feet and make it out. Over the years, I held the experience to myself alone, knowing I'd be locked up if I told anyone. There are bad apples in every species, but people need to understand they have compassion for us unless attacked. Had an experience a few years back that wasn't creepy to me, who knew what I was hearing, but it was for the rookie co-worker hiking with me. We got off work at 6 p.m., drove a couple hours out to a trailhead, and started hiking up the mountain in the pitch dark, so we'd be in position to hopefully find a buck in the morning. As we're about a half mile in, there's this long, low call, followed by some grunts that starts coming from just below us on the hill. I see my buddy start looking around him, nervous as hell, because he has no idea what he's hearing and hasn't spent much time in the woods. So hiking in the dark already has him on edge. He keeps walking, but I know he's got visions of Sasquatch snagging him up, running through his head with every step. I let him wallow in his discomfort for a minute more as we kept going, and the sound started coming up the hill towards us. About the time we hit the next switchback, I finally asked if he knew what it was. He was slightly relieved I was hearing it too, but said no. I chuckled at this point and told him it was just a cow moose I had seen in the headlights just before we parked. She had been wallowing around in a spring at the base of the hill, munching on aquatic veg, and must have got her fill because she was working back up the hill to darker timber. The rest of the hike was quiet, and unfortunately we didn't turn up a buck on that trip. I live alone in the woods 15 minutes from my town. My neighbors are near, but not right next door. One summer morning, I woke around 4.30 a.m. to a strange pounding sound. It was still kind of dusky dawn lighting, and I was in a daze from just waking up. Then I started to hear a man's voice yelling, Somebody help me! I began to look out my windows to see if I could see anyone, but couldn't from upstairs. My home has no window coverings on any windows. I went downstairs and caught a glimpse of him, naked with a thin t-shirt on, running around my house trying to jiggle windows and doors. He was very erratic, kept screaming for someone to help him, and kept running from door to window all around, trying to find a way in. In any normal situation, I would gladly help someone in need, but this situation felt too unpredictable and dangerous for me to allow this person into my home. I was able to contact my neighbors who got my message and quickly made their way over to help me. This is faster than any police that can get here. The guy ran away straight into the trees before they arrived. He was picked up by RCMP shortly after. No idea what happened there. It was a late summer afternoon in 2017. My husband and I were sitting on our sun porch. It's a side porch that looks out over a driveway and towards our neighbor's property where he has a humongous pine tree. My husband asked me, do you see what I see? It just so happened that I did. He never described what he was looking at, but pointed and following that. I saw a creature like that in the movie Predator. It was transparent, kneeling and looking at us from a perch high up in the tree. You could only see an outline when it moved. It appeared weightless because it was up so high in the tree. Those branches couldn't hold much weight. It was just staring at us. And when it realized that we saw it, 
it went behind the main body of the tree and disappeared. This was the first time my husband is seeing anything with me, and so it changed his whole perspective. Of course, he is more open-minded and not too quick to dispute when I share things I've seen now. He is ex-military and has been all over the world, but this was at home where he saw something that couldn't be explained. We both saw it without a doubt. Those semi-invisible beings, I don't know for certain what they are. We both have theories. What I know for certain is that they look like the cloaked alien in the movie Predator when it was in transparent or invisible mode. It had a lizard-shaped head. My mom grew up in a little town in El Salvador called Chalatenango. She would tell me and my sisters this story, and she swears it really happened. All of my aunts that grew up with her confirmed this story also. Supposedly, my mom's friend's father woke up one night at around 2 a.m. in the morning. He was around 27, I believe. It was still dark out, but he had to take a piss. This town is poor, so his bathroom was outside. While he was taking piss, a beautiful woman walked past him. He was a player and went after her. He tried talking to her, but she kept walking away. She eventually stopped and turned around. When she turned around, he was shocked to see that she had the face of a pig. He immediately started screaming. This woke his family and they went to his aid. They find him screaming rolled up in a ball in the middle of the road. They took him to the hospital. He went crazy before he went fully crazy. He was able to tell his family what had happened. My mom's friend told her what had happened to her brother. All of the neighbors that lived around the man that this happened to heard him screaming also and looked out their windows and saw him there. My mom said the ghost creature is called a Siguanaba. She has told me some other crazy ones that has happened to her when she was a kid. And my aunts and uncles have told me ones that have happened to them. Let me know if you want to hear them too. El Salvador used to be very hunted, according to my family from there. As an avid angler, I'd always found solace in the gentle flow of the Rio Grande River. The tranquility of the water, the rustling leaves, and the chirping birds offered an unparalleled escape from the bustling city life. I often went fishing on weekends, and this particular day was no exception. I arrived at my favorite spot near the UTAP College, right under the high train bridge off of Executive on the west side of El Paso. As I set up my fishing gear, I couldn't help but notice an eerie stillness in the air. It was as if the usual serenity of the river had been replaced by an unsettling silence. I cast my line and waited patiently trying to shake off the strange sensation. However, I couldn't ignore the peculiar sight that awaited me when I pulled up my first catch of the day. What I had expected to be a fish turned out to be a bizarre collection of items, likely the remnants of a satanic ritual that had taken place the night before. There were three saint candles, a dime, and a Walmart rotisserie chicken with a bite taken out of it. The sight of these objects so out of place in the peaceful surroundings sent a shiver down my spine. I couldn't shake the feeling that I had stumbled upon something dark and sinister. Despite the odd discovery, I tried to focus on my fishing, hoping to put the unsettling scene out of my mind. However, the thought of what had transpired in this beautiful spot continued to nag at me. Who would do such a thing and why? What did they hope to gain from this ritual? As I sat there, pondering these questions, I heard footsteps approaching from behind. I turned to see a park ranger making his rounds. Relieved to see a friendly face, I greeted him and shared my strange discovery. He, too, appeared disturbed by the sight, but assured me that he would report the incident and make sure the area was cleaned up. I couldn't help but feel somewhat relieved by his presence as if the darkness that had cast a shadow over the river had been chased away. I thanked the ranger and returned to my fishing, hoping to salvage what was left of my peaceful retreat. As the day wore on and the sun began to set, the river seemed to regain its usual tranquility. The bizarre encounter was now just a strange memory, 
a reminder that even in the most serene of places, darkness can sometimes find its way in. But with the support of those who care for and protect these natural sanctuaries, we can ensure that the light always prevails. There's a trail I love to hike in camp. When I was about 19 in the early 2000s, some friends and I went to camp there. We decided to walk off the trail and explore. We hiked directly up the mountain, and it flattens out into a bald spot before continuing. We're walking around it and feeling kind of weird. Then my buddy sees a horse leg at the edge of the clearing, another at another part of the clearing. We eventually find its other legs and head, its fur still intact. It didn't even smell. There was a fire pit in the middle of the clearing. We freaked out because rituals. A year later, with my mom and brother hiking or camping, we decided to hike in late. It's dark. We're pretty fat back, same area, but stayed on the trail. This old dude appears with a dog that's super well behaved. No flashlight, no shoes. Dog has no leash. The guy has an eye missing, so it's just creepy. He's acting super nice and says he walks out here all the time. I didn't sleep at all. We hiked off the trail and made camp far away. I thought he was going to kill us. Another time I was awoken early while sleeping near that trail by cracking sounds and heave breathing near the campsite. When I finally got the balls to get up, there were claw marks and bite marks on a couple trees 50 feet from camp. I was 10 years of age when this incident occurred. I and my family were living in an apartment complex at the time in Dunwoody, Georgia. I was walking with my mother to the bus stop. Suddenly, about 5 to 10 feet away, there was an apartment building about 15 to 20 feet being them. To the right side of my mother and me, there were what seemed to be two or three of these humanoid beings which were covered in what seemed to be white robes and emitting bright light around their bodies. This bright light is what probably caught my attention in the first place. I pointed to them and asked my mother what those people were, something along those lines. My mother remembered me asking her this, but she did not see anything. She told me she just felt a very strong presence. The fact that she was there with me and remembers me asking her these questions is proof to me that it, it was not a hallucination or dream. One of these beings was standing in front of the other one, or two beings behind it. I cannot remember the appearance of the beings in the back, but I could clearly see the face of the one standing in front. It seemed very human like youthful. It had curly hair and a blank stare until it noticed that I was looking at it, and then its eyes widened as if it was surprised that I had noticed it, observing us. I was not supposed to be able to see them once I and the being in front made eye contact. Everything on their upper torso was white with a gray tone kind of mixture, including their faces. They were almost transparent, like one would imagine a typical ghostly figure to be. I mentioned only upper torso because I don't recall them having any hands or legs, including feet. They also seemed to be floating because of this. I turned my head for one second and then quickly back, but as I did, I remember seeing them sort of float or hover away back down some stairs that were in the vicinity. I lost sight after that. These beings seemed to be conscious of some sort, aware of their surroundings, and did not want to be seen by me or anyone else. But they did seem to be there for a reason. I do not remember anything before or after this event, but my mother told me it started off as a normal day, and after I got back from school, she told me I asked her again about the beings. I have sketches that I have drawn, but can't find them at the moment. When I do, I will be sure to send them if needed. In the meantime, if you have any useful information that I could use about what on earth I saw that day, please send me anything, as this has been on my mind ever since my early teens. I am now in my mid-twenties, and although I have had a few unexplained occurrences throughout my life, none of which were as vivid as this was, I have not seen anything on that level like that since. 
I came out the woods after dark from deer hunting several years ago, and when I got to my Bronco, the battery was dead and no way to jump start it. Plus, I had driven through the backside of a two-year-old clear cut and was in the middle of nowhere. The woods were lit up with noise as I walk out the clear cut back to the old logging road I had drove in on. When I hit the old logging road, everything went silent. I had left my bow in my Bronco knowing I had an eight-mile walk back to the camp. I think that was the fastest I had ever walked in my life. The feeling of being watched and followed was something that still gives me the chills to this day. While camping and hiking in the Idaho wilderness area in 1972, I luckily had a handgun and that may have been the only thing that saved me. Throughout the whole ordeal, I had the uncanny sense that I was being watched and being followed. Always trust your inner voice. I got a good look at him and he was nasty and very unkempt man, just like Deliverance. And no, it was not Bigfoot. It fired off a couple of shots just to let the creep know I was armed. The nonsense abruptly stopped. I later reported the incident to a forest ranger, and he said that they had heard about this crazy guy stalking other hikers. Something woke me up at 4.10 a.m. while I was in the sleeper of my rig. I know the date perfectly because it was my birthday. I got out of my truck, and this thing let out a high-pitched whooping yell that echoed throughout the forest. I was standing there and was trying to figure out what it was, saying to myself that's not a cougar and not an elk, nor an owl or a coyote or a wolf. When it dawned on me on what it could be, it scared the bejesus out of me. It's the same as the sound on your Klamath screen's audio and what I heard on the Discovery Channel. I again heard the same sound in Klamath Cali, just south of the Trees of Mystery, where they have the Paul Bunyan and Babe statues. We were staying in some cabins there. Both my son and I heard it around 10 a.m. while we were hiking. It was way off in the distance, and dogs started barking right after we heard it. It screamed twice. This time I thought it was kind of cool to hear it again, and my son thought likewise because I had him listen to the recording on the internet. I was on duty as a park ranger at the state park near Augusta, Guy, when I got a call from a driver who reported hitting something on the road. It was around 3 a.m., and I could hear the panic in his voice as he asked for help with filing an accident report. I did my best to calm him down and provide him with the necessary information. Later that day, the driver called back still in disbelief. He said the damage to his vehicle was much bigger than what a deer could cause, but there was no blood, markings, or body to be found. He ruled out the possibility of it being a car or a rock, and he thought it might have been a mountain lion, although it was smaller than a full-grown deer. I consulted with my colleagues, and we were all puzzled by the incident. We were familiar with the wildlife in the area, and we had never seen any animal that could cause such damage without leaving any evidence behind. We even went out to the area to investigate, but we found nothing. The official police report listed the incident as a deer collision, and the insurance company also agreed with that assessment. However, the driver was adamant that it was not a deer. Sadly, the driver passed away two years later, and the mystery of what he hit on that road remained unsolved. As a park ranger, I am used to dealing with all kinds of wildlife, but this incident still puzzles me to this day. What could have caused that much damage without leaving any evidence behind? It's a mystery that may never be solved. This happened in the late 90s. I, Catherine, and my friend, Rose, met him together. My stalker was a guy, Rose, and I met on the bus one day coming home from my volunteer work after school as a candy striper at the local hospital. We were on the bus, going home, laughing and talking, and this guy just randomly sits by us and starts talking. He tells us his name, and we laugh, thinking he said his name was Gay. Yeah, stupid teenage girls. He corrected us and said his name was Jay. 
We talked a bit more and innocently gave him our names and he asked for my number, but I said no. He was like seven years older and kind of strange the more we talked to him. He got annoyed, but whatever right. So we thought that was that. A few days, maybe a week later, me and the same friend run into Jay while switching buses downtown. I was going to her house like I did a few times a week when we run into him. He asked for me to hang out and watch him play hockey that night. I said no. I was going to my friend's. He got weirdly annoyed and kept trying and bagging me, telling me about how much fun it would be and trying to get me away from my friend. He really didn't want her to come to this hockey game either. Just wanted it to be us, so weird. Our bus finally came and we got out of there fast. Over the next few weeks, I kept running into him downtown L. It was like he knew my schedule, and every time I tried to be nice but get away as fast as I could. And every time he would get annoyed because I wouldn't hang out. A few weeks pass, and I'm at school, and then walks Jay. I was so mad and frustrated, and I snap on him. Why was her here, and how did he know what school I went to? Did he follow me on the city bus? He tried saying that he was there to see his friends, but he wasn't with anyone, just a 25-year-old guy wandering around the high school. After that, I would randomly see him on my bus, and he would always try to sit across from me and watch. He would still ask for us to hang out, and I would still say no. As time went on, he would still find me on the bus and sit across from me with who I guessed was his girlfriend, or a girl he was trying to make me jealous with. He would look at me while making out with her. He would do everything he could to make me feel uncomfortable. I would either turn up my music and do my best ignore him or move to another spot. Nothing ever seemed to deter him. He never did anything bad enough to call the police, but he knew it was wrong and he knew it bothered me. And he knew I would have a panic attack and I'm sure he got off on that. As the years went on, I would see less and less of him. He would randomly pop up and make me uncomfortable. He started standing really close to me and trying to talk. I would have a panic attack and do my best to ignore him. I would still walk away and he would just get more pushy. Every time I would run into him, I'd text my friend that was there when we first ran into him and get her to calm me down. It's now 2023, so 24-ish years since it all started and I haven't seen him in the last maybe eight-plus years, and I'm just praying that I never see him again. I'm 43, so he must be going on 50, and I'm still scared to run into him. I have thought I saw him a few times and panicked, but it wasn't him. I hope I never see him again. This is the only paranormal experience I've ever had, at least that I can remember. It was many years ago when I was eight years old. I randomly woke up in the middle of the night, not uncommon for me, and turned over in the bed to readjust. When I did that, I opened my eyes and saw a person or humanoid-like figure wearing a black robe that covered over its head with a hood and draped down to its feet. I remember seeing a string around the hood as well. When I saw this thing, I instantly knew it was real, and I knew it wasn't a random person in my house. I didn't have words to explain the feeling, but I knew I wasn't dreaming, and it was not a figment of my imagination. It was way too real, and I remember the immediate fear that went through my body. The second I saw it, I grabbed my covers and yanked them over my head, went into fetal position, and closed my eyes. I was terrified. I didn't know what I was seeing, why there was some random person, figure standing next to my bed. I laid there trying to calm myself down, refusing to remove the covers from over me. I felt protected under them. I eventually fell back asleep, and that was the end of it. I've never had any other experience even remotely like that. I grew up never mentioning it to anyone, thinking I'd be called crazy, until I found this sub just now. I felt comfortable enough and wanted to share my experience and ask your guys' thoughts, opinions. So this happened to me and my mom a few years ago. We were talking in the living room. It was daylight outside and the shutters were closed. 
There was no light turned on inside of the living room, and all the light that we could see came from the outside through the shutters. All of a sudden, the atmosphere in the room became very heavy, and we both stopped talking, and I don't know why, but we both instantly looked at the windows. We could very clearly see through the shutters a silhouette of a human figure walking by, as if he, she was outside of the house. I don't know how to best describe, if not by a shadow. The shadow of that person was very dark itself, like Vanna Black or something. It was very, very chilling. I remember feeling very dense heavy, like I couldn't talk or move as it was walking by. Later, me and my mom tried to reproduce it. One of us stayed inside while the other walked by outside, just like the figure did, but it, it was very different from what we saw. Has this ever happened to any one of this sub? Does anyone know what this might suggest? Sorry for any eventual grammar mistake. English is not my native language. I'd been living in this house by myself for a few months, and it wasn't long before I started to notice some strange occurrences. Every night at precisely 10 p.m., I would hear the unmistakable sounds of cat toys like the jingling of bells, followed by footsteps in the living room. It was unnerving, to say the least, and I made it a habit to lock myself in the bedroom each night to avoid any potential encounters with whatever might be lurking in the shadows. As a naturally paranoid person, I was always sure to lock and bolt every door in the house whenever I arrived home. I couldn't shake the feeling that something wasn't quite right, but I had no choice but to carry on with my daily routine. One evening, as I was getting ready for bed, I heard a series of loud, heavy footsteps outside my room, followed by what sounded like a door slamming shut. Fear gripped me as I hesitantly turned on all the lights in the house and ventured out to investigate. My dog was in the living room, lying on the couch and staring at me with an unnerving intensity as I discovered that the front door was wide open. Panic set in, and I couldn't help but feel as if someone or something was toying with me. Whenever I shared my experiences with others, no one seemed to believe me. They dismissed my stories as the product of an overactive imagination, but I knew what I had heard and seen. It wasn't until my boyfriend spent the night at my place that someone else finally witnessed the strange phenomena that plagued my home. That night, as we lay in bed, my boyfriend heard the familiar sounds of footsteps and what seemed like dog paws in the living room. He initially brushed it off, assuming it was just my dog wandering around. But when he realized that the dog was fast asleep beside us in bed, his skepticism turned to genuine concern. The incidents continued to haunt me for the duration of my stay in that house, and to this day I still can't fully explain what was happening. The memories of those eerie nights remain etched in my mind, serving as a chilling reminder that sometimes the unknown can be far more terrifying than anything we could ever imagine. When I was eight, I had one of those life-size rag dolls with yarn hair. One night I woke up and she was waving her arms around while placed on my beanbag. I know it's not malicious. I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like I was dreaming, but I wasn't. She was moving around all by herself. To this day, I don't have with dolls. Edit. So when I saw her moving, I got super scared and hid under my blanket for like ten minutes with my heart racing frozen and fear building up the courage to run out of my room. Eventually, I ran out of my room to get my parents, whose bedroom was downstairs, and my dad came and got the doll and put her in the living room. I was too scared to sleep in my room, so I went to sleep in my brother's bed, which I would do when I had bad dreams and stuff. We heard farting and magazine pages flipping, and at first thought it was my dad. It was like 4 a.m. at this point, who just couldn't go back to sleep. But when we were yelling out for my dad, he didn't answer. So we were like, oh my God, it's Samantha, the doll. Since I was with my big brother, I was brave, and we started shouting at her from his bedroom, saying we weren't scared, and we were going to kill her, and all this low mile. I was so traumatized by this living doll, though, that my parents brought her to my nana's house. 
It was a Christmas gift from a family friend that I didn't want to get rid of because I felt bad and didn't want the doll to come back and be mad at me. But I would go for sleepovers at my nana's multiple times every year. And when I would go, she would take the doll out of the playroom and put it in the back room and lock the door. It was always so hard to fall asleep, but the dog would always sleep with me, which would help. Fast forward when I was 15 and having a ton of mental health issues, unrelated to the doll lull and the new med, ended up making me have some paranoia and see a few things, including a little girl a few times. My aunt was upset over my struggles, and hearing the little girl visuals, she went to my nano's, took the doll and burned it in the backyard to end my fear of it once and for all. So that's the full story and what happened with the doll. I really hope this doesn't get buried. I swear on my mother's grave and my future children's graves that this happened when I was around the age of 16-ish. Me and my younger sister, 12, were sitting at the dinner table alone. My mom had just left the house after she had served us our dinner. She served us fish, something we really hated. We were sitting at the table just miserably staring at our food, not talking and reluctant to eat, but knowing we had two or else our mother would get angry at us. It was a small square table near the entrance of our apartment, and my sister was sitting to the left of me. Across from me was an empty chair. All of a sudden, the chair across the table from me started rocking back and forth, pivoting from the back two legs of the chair. I initially thought that my sister was rocking the chair with her foot. It was the only logical explanation. I turned to my left to see if I noticed any movement from my sister. She's just staring at me with a serious expression and is still as a rock. Absolutely no movement from her. The chair, however, is still rocking. It doesn't get more cliche than this. But I got up and started to lean down to see what was moving the chair. And of course, the chair stops moving. I have asked my sister every year since then if she was lying about not rocking the chair and she has not gone back on her word to this day. So ghosts exist, I guess. Edit. I know some people are downvoting because most paranormal ghost stuff is cat, but to be honest, even after that happened, even I had a hard time believing it happened, myself as weird as it sounds, and I lived it. There's no just no other logical explanation to explain why that happened. That wasn't the only time weird shit happened in that apartment. Either so, I honestly wasn't surprised at that point. It just wasn't as clear-cut like that before. When I still lived with my mother in her previous home, we had a feeling there was something else present. The creepiest thing that I can't explain is one night I was sitting on the couch watching a show called A Haunting or something along those lines. As soon as the TV said, and that's when they started messing with the electricity. Both of the lamps in the living room started flashing on and off. I've never witnessed electrical problems before or after that. The lamps were plugged into different outlets. The TV didn't flash. I asked my sister if the lights upstairs were acting weird, and she said no. When I came back downstairs from asking her, they were back to normal. I've tried to think of an explanation besides it was a super weird experience with a spirit or something, but haven't come up with one. I didn't feel scared or anything, so it was actually pretty cool. I'll owe Al. I went to high school in the early 2000s, specifically 2003-2007. I was in band choir and theater, so I was not popular by any means. I had a fair amount of friends, and high school was fun for the most part. I live in a small coastal town of Mississippi, so it's important to know that everyone pretty much knows everyone else. Enough of that, though. Let's get to the actual story. Living in South Miss, everyone pretty much knows everyone. I wasn't popular in high school, but I had a fair amount of friends. I had this weird way of attracting the oddest of people at school. 
I'm not talking about those that were goth or emo, but those that were genuinely weird. You know what I'm talking about? Those people that were on the creepy side. I didn't think much of it because in my young high school mind, they were just misunderstood. This one guy that I met at school, let's call him Chip, was more of a creep than I thought. He would follow me around the school talking to me about random things. He was into the card game magic and would try to explain it to me in great detail to my disliking. I would politely tell him that I was not interested and walk into my class. He made it a point to wait for me after each class and walk with me everywhere. He was a loner, and I was starting to figure out why. I figured that he talked to me because I didn't tell him to screw off. My friends would give me grief about him and say that he was stalking me. I would laugh it off and say he was just a weird guy that didn't know better. To give a little backstory to this, I was pretty awkward looking in my freshman and part of my sophomore years of high school. I'm tall, five feet nine to be exact, and during that time, I was having growth spurts. I was super skinny and had boobs way too big for my tiny frame. I had not grown into myself just yet. Okay, back to the story. He would tell me every day that I was the most beautiful person he had ever seen and wanted to be with me. I wasn't allowed to date at the time, so I would tell him that my parents weren't allowing me to date just yet. He told me that he would wait for me and that we would be together one day. I just brushed it off like I always did not thinking anything of it. Fast forward to my junior year of high school. I had finally filled out. I'm still slender, but I was finally getting some curves and my breasts looked much more proportional. I was driving home from school with my little sister in the truck with me. I had a red 1997 Ford Ranger XLT. I was turning off the road that my school was on, and there was an old Chevy that was following me. I didn't think much of it at the time because several of my classmates lived close to me. There were a couple of main roads in my hometown. Highway 90, which is the beach highway, and railroad. They run parallel to each other. We were driving down railroad to our street, and the old Chevy truck was getting closer to us. It freaked my sister out, but I assured her that it wasn't anything to worry about. We pulled onto our street and then to our driveway, and the truck passed us. My sister and I shook it off and walked inside. A few days later, we were pulling into our driveway after school, and Chip was sitting on our front doorstep. He smiled at us and waved to me. My mom works in the morning as a weekday preschool teacher, so she was already home. I nodded at him and rushed my sister inside through the side door. My sister was in the seventh grade at the time. My mom just looked at me with this stern look and asked me why he was sitting on our front doorstep. I told her about him following me around at school and talking to me because he doesn't have any friends. She told me that he is not allowed to come back to the house and that I needed to ask him to leave. I told her that I would and I walked outside. I told him that he would need to leave and that my mom said that he wasn't allowed to come back to my house. He smiled and said okay and walked away. I got a really creepy feeling about him from then on out. As usual, he would follow me around school every day. My senior year came and I got a job at the same preschool my mom works at. I was at work one day when I looked out my classroom window and I noticed the old Chevy truck parked in the parking lot by my truck. I got that same sick feeling that I got that day I told Chip to leave. I shook it off because I had a classroom full of kids. A few days later, there was a knock on my classroom door. Now, the way that the preschool was set up was in trailers with a large outside deck connecting each classroom. This was right after Hurricane Katrina, and the old building was destroyed in the hurricane. My mom and the director were standing outside looking upset. I asked them what was wrong, and my mom said that Chip was here looking for me. They found someone to cover for me, and I stepped outside on the deck where he was standing. He approached me like he was going to give me a hug. I backed up and put my hands out in front of me. He stopped and looked hurt. I've been waiting for you, he said. I asked him for what. He told me that I'm more than old enough to start dating, and he felt that it was time that we start dating. I told him that he was crazy and that I would not date him. I gave this super long, pissed-off monologue that I won't bore you with. 
Basically, I told him in so many words to screw off and don't come near me again. He pleaded with me and then got angry when I didn't apologize to him. I stood my ground and he finally left. That was a huge mistake. I broke down and cried. I was crying so hard that I didn't realize that I'd literally hit the deck. My mom took me into the office building and called the police. I relayed the conversation to them when they arrived and they took me to the station to give a formal statement and to have a restraining order put against him. I thought that would be the end of it. I was wrong. A few years later, I've since graduated from high school and junior college. I was starting my first year at a four-year university. I was also working for an HVAC company as the office manager. Our office was in a modular home. My office was to the left of the door, and there was a window in front of me letting me see who would walk into the door. The restraining order had been lifted because it was only for a couple of years. I was hoping that he had gotten the message and would leave me alone. I was in the office, and I heard the door open. I was working on something in QuickBooks and politely said, I'll be with you in a moment. I finished what I was doing and looked up. I felt the blood drain from my face. It was chipped. I stared at him in horror. My boss had a shotgun in my office in case someone tried to break in and harm me when I was alone. I happened to be alone at the time. I also had my boss's Belgian Malinois Sam with me as well. Sam would greet me every morning and would stay by my side all day. He was two at the time. He sat up and growled at Chip and got closer to me. I asked him what he wanted. He stood in the small foyer and smiled. I'm still waiting for you. He turned around and walked out. Sam barked at him and whined when the door slammed shut. I called my boss and told him what happened. He rushed back to the office and made sure I was okay. I told him that I was and was thankful that Sam was with me. At the time, I was living with my boyfriend, now a husband, and told him what happened. My boss told me that I could have Sam as my dog as long as I brought him to work with me every day. I thanked him because Sam had become really attached to me. I brought Sam home with me and still have him to this day. My boss's other dog had puppies. She was a pit bull, and my boss gave me one of her puppies. We named him Breezy, and he and Sam are best friends. I left the company after I was offered a job in the town I live in now. My boss told me that Sam was mine to keep, and I was grateful for that. Fast forward a year. That last bit was in 2012-2013. My boyfriend and I are now married. The wedding was beautiful, and we have been happily married. I'm still at the job that I left my previous job for. I was leaving work one evening. It was early December 2014, so it was dark out when I left. My boss knew my former boss and lets me bring Sam with me to work. It's a small office that does exotic car repair. I was in the office by myself most of the time, but the garage was connected to the office. As I was leaving, Sam stopped and started barking and growling at something in the shadows by the office building. That was the last thing I remember. I woke up in the middle of an abandoned park. It used to be a popular park where families would bring their kids to play on the swing sets. It was privately owned, and the man who owned it died, so it became abandoned. I couldn't tell where I was because it was so dark. I couldn't find my phone or purse. I saw something moving in the distance. I realized that I was tied to the old swing set pole. The figure got closer, and I could see who it was. It was Chip. I screamed, but he rushed over and covered my mouth with his hands. I stared at him in horror. I waited for you, he said. My eyes got wide. I waited and waited and waited, but you never came to me. That upsets me. By this time, he had let my mouth go and had turned his back to me. I wriggled my hands a bit to see if I could get free. I couldn't get my hands free, but I noticed that the pole wiggled. He still had his back turned to me and was talking nonsense. I don't remember what he said because that's when my adrenaline kicked in. I'd been taking kickboxing classes for some time now. I started the classes to get in shape for the wedding, and I loved it, so I continued. I looked behind me and noticed that the pole that I was tied to was really short. I pulled it out of the ground quite easily and adjusted myself to bring my hands in front of me. I quietly stood up and approached him. I swung my arms and heard the pole connect with his head. He hit the ground with a thud. 
He was a large man, but not very muscular. I ran to where I knew the road was and found his truck parked on the side of the road. I looked in and saw my purse and things on the passenger side. I found an old pocket knife on the driver's seat and cut myself free. He was an idiot and had left the keys in the truck. I thank God for that. I started the truck and peeled away. I went straight to the police station and told them what happened. They took my report and I called my husband to come get me. He came with my parents and we hugged and cried for a long time. I asked them where Sam was and if he was okay. Apparently when I blacked out Sam, I attacked the guy and he beat him pretty badly. My boss found him and had called my husband after he couldn't find me. They had taken Sam to the local vetter. He was badly hurt but survived. The police went to the site where I was and they couldn't find him. He had disappeared. Fast forward to Valentine's Day 2015. We were celebrating at home with our dogs and cat balls. I went to check the mail and saw a letter with no return address. I walked inside and opened it, and there was a small piece of paper that said, I'll be waiting for you. I dropped the note and cried. We took it to the police to add it to my case file. 2016 came and went without issue. Until Christmas, I was getting ready to go to my parents' house while my husband put the presents in the car. I walked out of the house ready to go, and my husband looked at me with a scared look on his face. He just looked at me and cut his eyes to a spot around the car. I walked around and saw Chip. He was holding a crowbar like he was ready to bash my husband's head in. I had my Bluetooth headset on and made sure that I was half hiding behind my car. I held my phone and dialed 911. I heard the dispatcher and said, Mama, it's me, Sarah. The dispatch asked me what the emergency was. I told her that we would be running late because an old friend had shown up. The dispatch asked what my address was. I said, Oh, I thought I had texted it to my sister already. I'm sorry it's, and I gave her my address. She said that the police were on their way. I said, that sounds great. I'll see y'all in a bit. I hung up and smiled and apologized about that. He smiled and said that he was tired of waiting for me and wanted me to come with him. I stood there and told him no. He waved the crowbar side to side in his hand behind my husband's head. My husband is a very fit man. He quickly turns around and elbowed him in the head. At that time, the police pulled up and arrested him. I gave them another statement along with my husband, and they said that they would update us on the case. We went to my parents' house, spent some time with them, and we went home. It's been some time since his arrest and no word on what has happened. I keep looking over my shoulder in fear that he will be there. Sam doesn't leave my side. He goes with me everywhere that dogs are allowed. If Sam can't go, my husband does. I don't know what will happen, but I want to move on with my life. Maybe one day I will be able to. I remember what he said when they put him in the police car. I'm still waiting for you. I'll always be waiting for you. Update. I just got off the phone with my lawyer and he has not bonded out yet. The court date is set for February 7th. I will update after court. Update 2. Court was uneventful to a point. We heard statements from both his and my lawyers. They pleaded insanity on his behalf. He's not insane. I wanted my lawyer to push for life without possibility of parole. The judge said that we would have to obtain information to overturn the insanity plea. My lawyer is currently poring over school academic records and previous jobs that he has held to prove that he isn't insane. I've been trying to process this information for some time. I can't believe they would try to pass him off as insane. We will be back in court on Monday. It's Thursday night. I'll be home alone for the weekend. My husband and his best friend will be out of town for business. It'll be just me, Sam, and Boz. I'm nervous, but I know he is still in the county jail until our next hearing. I will update as soon as I can. My boss gave me Friday off so I can stay home in the safety and comfort of my home. We installed a state-of-the-art alarm system with cameras and everything. It makes me feel a little better. I won't be going anywhere this weekend either. This was not what I wanted, but it's better than him walking the streets and possibly trying to abduct me again. Update 3. It's been a while since I have updated this. My lawyer was able to temporarily overturn the insanity plea because of the information he found. 
The judge told him to his face that he believed he wasn't insane, but that he was psychotic. There was no ruling because his lawyer doesn't think he is fit to be in jail, but wants to put him in an institution so that he can get help. I think that he is beyond help and needs to be locked away for good. The judge said they have to prove that he truly needs help and appointed a psychologist to run some extensive tests. I'm afraid that they will find him to be mentally unstable and put him in a mental health facility instead of jail. This is not how I wanted this to go. I will update again when I get some news.